Before we start today's episode, there's something important for agencies seeking a reliable way to attract new business, especially during busy periods. I want to introduce you to Leaflow Sprint. It's an eight-week program that simplifies your marketing and consistently attracts the attention of potential clients without requiring a massive marketing budget or external sales teams. With my 17 years of experience in aiding agencies to gain visibility in new clients, this program offers a practical and effective approach to lead generation. Forget about unpredictable leads and embrace a method that works across different agency sizes. And if you're keen to learn more, you need to visit caffeine.club slash LFS. That's K-A-F-F-E-N dot C-L-U-B forward slash L for Lima, F for Foxtrot, S for Sierra. Now let's get into today's episode. Okay, amazing. So today I'm delighted to be joined by Jason Gibb, co-founder of Bread and Jam. And if you're not familiar with the organization, here is a bit of a potted history. Bread and Jam came about through the shared vision of two food founders, passionate about shaking up the way food and drink industry works. Every year, 16,000 food and drink brands emerge into the UK market, and yet 90% of them don't make it past their first year of trading. So Bread and Jam is a celebration of the food and drink industry's entrepreneurial spirit. And there are many reasons for a food business to cease trading, but the absence of opportunity, information, and industry support should no longer be one of them, are the sentiments of Bread and Jam. And since 2016, through their resources, events, pitched buyer opportunities, workshops, mentors, and more, Bread and Jam supported the growth of thousands of food and drink brands, many of which we know and love today. So without further ado, over to Jason. Well, what a mission! you guys are on well absolutely absolutely i mean anything we can do uh, like you say um let's make no bones about it It, it's really hard to start up a business Uh, it's hard to start up a food business and and our mission is to give people the tools and and access to information that they that they need to have the best chances of succeeding absolutely so i mean you were founded back in 2016 can you share a little about how the organizers how, how the organization has changed since you founded and whether the vision has kind of altered at all, whether you've had to shift it based on what's going on in the industry or any of the trends? Well, um, I don't know how much it, it's changed, to be honest. Um, I mean, shall I, shall I go back to, you know, how it started, why it started? Because yeah, that, that I'd kind love of, to hear that. Yeah. Cool. Cause that, cause that kind of, that, that experience um, shaped it. So I, Oh God, how far back do I go? I, I, I had a quite a checkered career. Uh, I was a TV producer for uh, 10 years, making science TV shows. Um, we were, me and my partner, we were living out in Los Angeles, uh, living a, quite a, a cushy life, but it, it felt incredibly shallow. And we wanted to turn our hand to something that we, we felt was a bit more wholesome. So we decided... Um, after discovering this beautiful, delicious uh, Californian olive oil in the farmers' markets in, in LA, we're like, "Oh, olive oil looks great!" You know, it's you make it on the land. It's quite a straightforward thing to make. Why don't we go and make olive oil? And being two people who are um, kind of we we do what we say we're going to do. Um, we chucked in our TV careers, bought an abandoned olive grove on the east coast of Italy and uh moved over there with our young daughter uh, actually about the same same age as, as yours i think uh she was about one and a half then actually and um we found ourselves in a quite a remote farm 
in a kind of rural backwater of Italy and um, uh, you know had to create our own business had to learn how to make olive oil had to learn how to uh, start a business start a limited company do accounts trademark all this kind of stuff and we had um, very little uh, knowledge in how to do it but actually coming from a tv career one of the skills was that you research something very quickly and you pick up a lot of information quickly and you can process things so you become you're good at kind of becoming a a sort of an expert quite quickly and that's what we did we gathered as much information as we we had but all through that po process it, it felt like we were almost the first people to do this there was no support <laughs> there was no blueprint there was no advice um there was no uh person we could turn to to say you know how do we do this so we ended up making loads of mistakes ourselves and, and learning that way through kind of you know yeah screwing up wasting a bit of money here meeting the wrong person there wasting time on this and that I just thought this is this is nuts like there's got to be someone who who who, who uh, pulls this information together and then I remember I started going to like, um, so we started this olive oil business basically, and, and it started going pretty well actually. And um, we started to do trade shows. I don't know if you ever go to trade shows, you know, where you're, you take a little stand and you, you pedal your wares to try and meet buyers mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So yeah. um, that, that was my first experience of this food and Bev community of, of the other storeholders um with their brands they would be so amazing at like sharing information sharing advice sharing really hard-earned contacts and stuff like that and it's like oh wow I finally found my tribe of people who are going through the same shit as I am we can share war stories we can uh, support each other and again I was a bit frustrated that there wasn't more access to that or someone wasn't kind of pulling this community together a bit a bit more so um after about 10 years, the, the olive oil business, um, I'd had enough of it. We'd moved back to the UK by now. And my, my partner, she'd started working back in, in TV. Um, so I sold that business. And, and, and that, that point, I kind of thought um, there's a real opportunity to kind of pull these things together, pull my learnings together, support other food and drink businesses out there. Um, so um i started up actually the first thing i did was start up a really useful uh, facebook group a very simple thing um it's called the food hub forum and i invited all the people in food and drink i knew on there and let's have a little place where we can share contacts advice um ask where to get a barcode um ask where to get a photographer um how to prepare a pitch document this kind of stuff so that's now grown to a community of over 11,000 people, uh, food and drink entrepreneurs, industry experts. We have a lot of uh, branding agencies and designers on there kind of pitching in, but it's basically a, a, an open, collaborative, supportive community. And, um, and then I started uh, Bread and Jam in 2016, like you said, with, with, a, with another co-founder who um, I met, met, who she was also kind of supporting uh, startups in other ways. And um, we put on, you know, we put on together this event, which was basically all the questions that I wish I'd known, all yeah. the, you know, all the challenges that I faced, a workshop on how to find a manufacturer, a work on how to uh, do your commercials, uh, a workshop on all those kind of things. So that 
kind of um oh yeah and the the other kind of difference uh, philosophy we have i think is that it's all it's all very practical very practical advice and it's also often delivered by people who've who've been there and done it uh, you know, when I turn to someone for advice, I kind of want, I want, I don't necessarily want an industry expert or consultant. I want uh, someone, another food entrepreneur who's, who's done it. And they, they may not have done it, you know, the best way, but they, they, they've done, they've done things and they've learned things on the job. Um, so, yeah, I think we've kind of stayed pretty true to that philosophy. Um, yeah. Amazing. Um, and so we're just, out of curiosity when were you in Italy when were you running that brand just so we moved there in 2004 I think okay. uh, we lived there yeah we lived and there where, whereabouts were you because I was living out in Puglia around that time so I'm just wondering if overlap. okay yeah so I've only just recently <laughs> discovered Puglia so we were oh, in okay. a region called called La Marque yes, um, yes which is higher. kind of central east coast it's mm -hmm. the very kind of northernmost limit on the uh, east coast where they um where oli olives are kind of olives are grown but it, mm -hmm. it's a bit of a it's always been uh, uh called the new tuscany but it's been yes. the new tuscany for about two decades but because it's never <laughs> going to be tuscany it's pretty it's pretty rural yeah 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 understood oh very interesting um, i was going to say you know when you were talking through the hurdles that you were facing there i think the number one one for me that kept was flashing in my mind was Italian bureaucracy, like you set up a brand in Italy, congratulations, because having got married there, that was big enough challenge. <laughs> like, um, I, yeah, good on you um, for passing that. It was, a, it was a real <laughs> challenge. And it, it actually made me kind of think in many respects how easy it is in the UK to kind of set up a set up a brand I mean I won't tick, I won't tell you all the kind of dodgy accountancy stuff that went on but I mean a lot of that's been ch changed recently but it was also quite an education uh starting a business uh, a positive education starting a business in Italy where um it's a lot about relationships mm -hmm. um you know all the suppliers and and people I work with you'd have to have a lunch with them you know mm -hmm. you can't have a kind of 15 minute zoom meeting with them you have to have lunch with them you have to meet family you have to do this and 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 in a way that can be frustrating but it's also uh, an important lesson about how um we got to be more human about business I completely agree with you. There's a big parallel there with the slow food movement and just the appreciation of mm. where things come from and the time it takes and the artisanal, very human aspect to all of this. I think, um, yeah, it's definitely something I appreciated living out there too. Um, okay, so without dwelling too much on our shared experience of Italy, uh, I wanted to just um, speak to you a little bit about at what points brands come to you for help now? Do you feel it's around the stage where you were... You were starting the the oil brand and you needed that kind of support is that the stage is it very very early stage or do you tend to find it's when they're moving from independence into major multiple retailers or is it a real mix sure so um we tend to we we, we say we we offer support for emerging and scaling is our kind of catchphrase mm -hmm. and for me that's um we can help everyone from people who've got a germ of an idea they're in their they're in their kind of uh, well-paid job, and they're thinking of kind of taking a leap. And we 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 can we can start them from uh, zero into 
businesses that are certainly in the retailers uh, we do a lot of we do a lot of work with the, the multiple retailers um, so a lot of people in our community are yeah pitching uh, to the supermarkets they're they're in the supermarkets um, but after I'd say you know three or four years in they've probably out, outgrown us we we've kind of taught them all, all we can yeah understood okay and what is the most common piece of advice you find you give to food and drink brands that come to you? Yeah, I mean, I suppose uh, there are a few kind of themes that, that, that stick out. The most, most, of, uh, most of the businesses that, that come to us, they're facing challenges with finding a manufacturer. They're mm-hmm. facing challenges around funding. They're facing challenges about accessing buyers. But um, the most common probably problem that they have which I kind of advise people on it's obviously about the product people often enter this world because they're like passionate about this I don't know this marmalade the recipe that their grandma had or you know this cantucci biscuit that they found in a market in Florence or or they're obsessed by the kind of product and you've got to and they get a bit kind of too focused on that and they're not willing to um, compromise or adapt or listen to it, you know, listen to what the market says. So the number one advice is for me is like have a product that people want, that there's enough people out there who are willing to pay that price for it. And it sounds, you know, blooming obvious, but a lot of people don't really think that they start from the product. They start from their own passion. And um and actually, and, and, and I can totally understand that. I think with my first olive oil business, I, I was like that. I couldn't, it was so much like part of me. I was so uh, in love with this, that the business was was like part of my DNA and all the money in the bank account felt like it was my money. And it's quite hard to separate yourself from, from the business. And I think you've got to do that to a certain extent to kind of be able to listen and adapt and pivot and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it is is yeah, like I said, it's kind of obvious, but have a product that people want and are willing to pay money for. And you just thinking back to that stat, you know, 90% of food and drink businesses don't make it past the first year, which is, you know, feels really hard hitting, but actually I think tallies quite well with just businesses in general, like not making it past the first year, not just in food and drink category. But do you feel like the majority of those 90%, it is about the product and the lack of objectivity in terms of um, what the market wants um, and making it past that market research stage and understanding it's not just something that the founder is passionate about, but there actually is a consumer audience for it. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people, uh, the majority of them fail there. They, they've, again, like I said, they fail with funding and they fail with finding someone who can kind of upscale production mm. for them. Mm. But I, th- I think what we, we try and kind of teach is that with, with, the, mar- with the product piece, you know there are very easy ways to avoid screwing up and avoid wasting a lot of money on a product that people don't want you know you got to get out there and you got to you got to test it and you know obviously at the moment you can't but farmers markets are the perfect place to do that yeah. very cheaply get your product on a market stall and you can look your customers in the eye you can see if they're willing to pay it you can get feedback on your on your product and you know you got to remember not everyone's going to love it um but as long as enough people do and as long as you're listening to what people say yes um, yeah 
it's so hard though isn't it because you have to have a passion and almost a blind passion when you're starting any business and a, a thick enough skin that you carry on regardless but at the same time you have to let the the consumer's thinking permeate yours a little bit so you can adapt and change it's this really fine balance without it knocking your confidence off entirely so I think any business not just food and drink but they, I can understand why it feels very very personal in that area where you really do feel like you are the sole champion of that particular brand um just to know who are your allies and who's going to support you on the way rather than um you know just feeling like everyone's the enemy and it's you versus the world or <laughs> absolutely <laughs> the, the Tesco I, consumer. I, yeah I think it you know it is a thing I think most people struggle with I, I I certainly do you know I I listen to all the bad things I hear all the bad mm -hmm. things yeah and I kind of all the nice compliments and feedback and stuff they you know they wash all over me yeah and um you kind of have to slap your face yourself around the, the, the face a little bit for that and you are not gonna another bit of advice you're never gonna uh, please please everyone 100 percent of the time and and I think that um again I found that a bit easier with my you know my second and third and, and fourth businesses the first one that I started I couldn't I couldn't take criticism mm -hmm. um, but you have to mm -hmm. yeah completely agree um so I'm going to skip the next question which was what is the most common misconception brands have when they start out because I feel like we've covered that ground um already unless unless there's anything else you want to add there um yeah I mean I yeah it goes back to the same thing I think the misconception mm -hmm. is that everyone's gonna love your, your product yeah if you love it everyone else is gonna love it yeah um and I think that um I think that you know a lot of people think that they're gonna be the next innocent and I you know you got to remember innocent is is was a fairly unusual uh a, a unusual example of kind of success in the food and drink business it's it's a lot of slog um, yeah, it's a bit like in tech, looking at a unicorn and thinking, you know, everybody has the potential to be that way when it's really just one in a in a many thousand of um, yeah. of, of different uh, companies who started out who actually get to that stage because of various reasons. But of course, you've got to aspire for something. Um, so just moving on, because I'm really aware that my audience is is mainly design agencies. They're mainly between two and ten people. Um, so early stage and scaling kind of kind of like your audience mm -hmm. and the majority of them are um brand and packaging design agencies who specialize mm -hmm. in the fmcg space so that's why there's a natural mm -hmm. parallel here and why i was keen to talk to you and why bread and jam has been on my radar for a long time um mm -hmm. so i wanted to get your perspective on this because you see a lot of early stage food and drink brands what do you think are the most common mistakes that they make when it comes to design um and how soon do they become blocks to their growth Okay, um, so I mean, obviously, branding is fundamental. Branding, uh, messaging, all that kind of stuff is fundamental. And I do think that the UK kind of food and drink scene is leads the world really in 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 the quality of, of branding and design that we see. Um, so I think to a certain certain extent, we should be celebrating that and patting ourselves on the back a little bit but um i suppose a lot of people just don't understand that uh how fundamental it is how key messaging is um but i think generally pe people do it well 
but then there's the kind of other end of the spectrum where there are also a lot of beautiful looking products there that inside you know the the quality of the product doesn't doesn't back it up yeah. unfortunately or or it's just too too kind of niche um so i think that the other thing i've i've noticed about the whole kind of branding story is that there's that you know there, there's no one way to skin a cat i've seen a lot of um examples of a, a lot of businesses talk about doing it you know really organically getting a friend of theirs to do their first logo um using that at a farmer's market building it up um understanding that you know branding never finishes that you got to iterate and iterate and iterate and then slowly organically building up you know so you you have your your next rebranding for to get into the speciality retailers and, and farm shops then you do branding again to kind of um get a version that is much more in tune with the supermarkets once you have a bit more budget and then then the other kind of approach is brands that will then that 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 have have got an idea they're quite savvy they know how to raise a bit of money and um, they raise a pile of a chunk of cash and then they get kind of you know bnb studio or someone to um do a, a a beautiful branding right from the start um which i think is is a really good idea but it, it's also um potentially spending a, a, a lot of money without knowing whether it's going to work or not so i've seen companies successfully and unsuccessfully take those alternative approaches and and you know i can't say which is which is better or, or which is which is worse really because they both can work Mm, it sounds like it's back to the product again it's making sure that you've got com confidence in your um market fit in terms of the product before mm. you really start investing in everything else around it um mm. i mean I, that's not just the money in design that's the time you spend on the you know your one shop with a buyer a, a, a supermarket or you know be confident Absolutely. that you're going with your best game basically mm. the, the other the other kind of thing that i i'm slightly i'm i'm not sure whether where i stand on as well is you know a lot of um agencies want to okay you you approach them or a a brand approach them says look i need a i need packaging i need a logo i need a, la a name and they're like okay right let's do it you know let's do a workshop on this let's work out your you know your tone of voice and your positioning and and a lot of a lot of very detailed stuff that um absolutely is fundamental if you're going to go big but it can be a quite a big investment for a company very early on. And it's like, actually, no, I just, I just need a logo. Mm. Uh, I just need a logo to take it, to get it to this next step. I don't need this whole tone of voice document with all my color, my color palettes and my fonts and, um, you know, what song would I be if I was on the radio? What <laughs> animal would I be? You know, it can be yeah. a bit, but, you know, so, again it's horses for courses it is you know i i can't say which is which is right to do and which is wrong because yeah. there are so many ways of skinning a cat yeah well i so it's really interesting you say that because it's something that i i kind of go forwards and backwards on because i've been um uh you know a b2c uh 
business owner so I've been you know I've been that person like um, a food and drink brand owner who's purchasing design who's who's you know purchasing all the advertising and um, marketing in general and um and yet and it's really hard to know which way around to do things what I do know is that some of the agencies who are promoting um a, a broader scale look at the brand right at the beginning so thinking a bit about tone of voice I don't know about what 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 personality they'd be at a conference versus a barbecue or what song they'd be uh or you know whatever else but you know just just thinking a little bit beyond what the brand owner might have previously considered themselves sometimes a good thing because they're setting the they're thinking about the brand in the best case scenario if they're successful and things really take off in the next few months this is what they're going to need for the next year to 18 months and getting them ready for that but again I completely understand that some people just need a first iteration of something visual so they can literally go start having a conversation and it's trying to get the balance there somewhere in the middle um because actually I think a good brand design agency and a partner it doesn't even have to be a huge agency it could be one or two people uh is also a champion for a food and drink brand and because they've worked with several people in the same area kind of a bit like you guys you know they've kind of got an overview of how it works when it works well when it doesn't work and so it's kind of this it's this really hard balance I think for the brand owner to understand what is worth spending on and what is beyond what they need at that moment uh yeah so yeah I kind of share that kind of miss you know not complete decision uh yeah about what is the right path but I think what I encourage agencies to do is offer three options like a, a small medium and large so a, brands can see where each step's going to get them and actually the cost efficiencies of going for large and thinking longer term up front can be significant so it really depends on how much confidence think, you've got in your brand as well. Yeah, you're, you're totally spot on there. I mean, that's what, that's what I think. I think that as long as, um, uh, as long as, you know, they're clear and d defining, right, for this much, you'll get this, for this much, you can get that, and for this much, you get, you, you, you get, you know, a, a lot more, but it's just kind of giving people that option. Yeah. You know, so at our, at our conference, for example, um, our, our big one which is in October our three-day one we have a kind of exhibitor marketplace and of businesses that support food and drink entrepreneurs and we have branding agencies in there we have trademark people in there we have logistics packaging whatever and I, I, I with the branding agencies I try to make sure that there's a there's a range of options of sizes of businesses that can support you because you know it just depends on you know what what budget people have um, yeah so you, you just got to make sure you you give a, a range of packages um, that hopefully you over deliver on a little bit, um, but um, make it clear to people what they can expect from you. And, and um, because yeah, everyone's different. Yeah, completely. And you know what your track record is as well. Um, we always encourage people to focus on getting testimonials from previous brands, getting results from previous brands so that the brand when they're picking them is going there in confidence that they've been part of a success story. But, um, that takes true Absolutely. partnership because equally the agency doesn't know that every client they take on is going to work out well. And it's going to be something that's is good, useful as a case study to attract future clients. So it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing, the selection process on both sides, I think. But like you say, yeah, word of mouth, hugely, hugely powerful um, mm -hmm. in the food and drink world. Um, people always look, 
for who's who's done who's done so and so and they'll they'll follow follow that um we've just also started up a directory because on our facebook group um it's all about word of mouth recommendations and people say look you know can anyone recommend a designer and you'll get 15 people uh suggesting suggesting people and yeah. we've we've we're turning that into a directory actually called the food hub directory um mm-hmm. which is where again it's it's all support businesses branding agencies designers um lawyers logistic companies all that kind of stuff brilliant well i'll make sure to um, add a link to it in the show notes so people can awesome. Thank you. take a look a couple of my clients have mentioned they've had an email from you via linkedin i think about the directory already so um okay. certainly the word is getting out there Good. um so uh what was I going to say well my next question was going to be do you advise on which design firms are a best fit for for the brands that you work with and I think that answers that question the directory is is a place that you um share uh firms on that and just to understand are they firms that have come with recommendations are they always firms that have come with recommendations or is it a, a space where people can buy a slot <clears throat> No, so uh, on the directory, uh, anyone can add their listing, but it's it's there's a peer review kind of um, yeah. review section. So it's very early days. We've only we've only launched it a couple of weeks ago, so um, we haven't got many reviews on there. But we're going to start pushing it over the next few weeks. Um, and yeah, the the key thing is to get kind of people um, commenting on it. And there's also a section uh, where you can talk about um work that you've done and kind of you know showcase that because like I said that's very important brilliant so I think the next most relevant question is what time span and budget should an agency bear in mind when they start to work with a food and drink challenger brand so thinking about that that maybe dividing it down a bit into the the early stage and the the kind of scaling phase that you see um your clients fall under but so what was that? What, 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 what's what, the time scale? That... Yeah, time span and budget, roughly. Would you be willing to commit to that? Some people are and some people aren't. Yeah, I mean, well, initially it de- depends how, how you do it. Um, but a lot of people initially, they just need uh, so, some basic, very basic branding for uh, a few, you know, um, uh, a couple of grand that they can put a logo and some color scheme on their website. Um, they can either get um, the agency or, or they can, you know, get someone on Fiverr, I don't know, um, to, to put it into a, a packaging template. Um, and they often, it's often good if, if they can do the concepts early. So um the the brand can get those concepts in front of some retailers or some some shops um but you know at at that stage there are often a few mistakes that being made with packaging and stuff so that 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 process um you know it's it's a never-ending process probably um but you know it it's a matter of months isn't it um, but I would say, you know, a lot of businesses would be is in the kind of couple of couple of grand area, I would say. 
And that's at the very early stage. And then when you see people scaling kind of into speciality, independence and onwards, do you find them spending more time and and budget on um, addressing their brand at that stage, the different needs that are required for those marketplaces? Yeah, I would say that... um... Uh, oh, absolutely. You know, they realize at that stage that they, they gotta they gotta stand out from the crowd. It's really competitive. Um, they need packaging and a logo and a name that that really differentiates them. And I would say the kind of most common budget I, I'm seeing at that stage is um between like uh seven thousand and fifteen thousand pounds for um you know, usually it's for three SKUs um, yeah. um, and possibly a little bit of research uh, behind that, but but not much. Um, yeah. And then the, the next stage seems to be, you know, when um, maybe they're going for a, a brand refresh or, or they're trying to get into the supermarkets Um there's a bit of um, there's a bit of research needed, um, um, a bit of clearer definition of of who their customer is, and you know then you know it's tens of thousands of pounds you know mm-hmm. that, that they're talking. So I kind of would divide it into those three three areas, yeah. three chunks. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. Yeah, and really tallies with actually what I'm seeing. And I think, um, you know, when it comes to agencies as well, they need to understand what level they're willing to accept projects at budget-wise and learn to terminate those conversations with brands early that don't fit for both sake. So they not, neither of them are wasting time <laughs> because otherwise you get this really disappointing, you know, 45 minutes, one hour call where you think things are going well and you put forward a proposal and it's like 10K more than... Um, the clients expecting I always encourage people to and it's sometimes it's very hard British people find it very hard to have the money conversation early on I find absolutely but, you know, no I mean really when I'm about it absolutely when I'm when someone a food food brand comes to me and says look can I can you recommend a branding agency I'm obviously the, my first question is well what's your budget because mm-hmm. there are people out there to, to suit everything but just just get that clear if it's three thousand pounds at three thousand pounds try and find the the best age or the best kind of um solo person for for that for that budget um mm-hmm. and um and also what i'm finding is that um agencies are a lot more inclined these days to 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 help you a little bit with that um whether it's kind of deferring payments uh over a longer period of time you know okay let's do this over six months um or or things like that so i think there's mm. there's a better under or the, the more savvy designers are, are kind of aware of, of how of how it works that so people don't necessarily have money up front or i've also heard of deals where you know it's like well we're going to be fun we're going to be raising funds in six months time but we need you know some branding to get us to that stage um could you um could you defer a payment until you know we get some crowdfunding and if you're up for that you know you get a bit of a bonus so there there are lots i think people need to be kind of creative in this and it's also nice from a brand's perspective it's nice if you feel that there's a bit of skin in the game for the agency if there's you know there's an upside to your success 
Um, I mean, obviously there is big in the sense that hopefully you'll be branding partners for a long time. But if you feel that, right, look, I'm going for this crowdfunding and it's in the agency's uh, benefit to, to do a really great job, um, you feel that much more secure. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I do understand what you're saying. I think, again, it's a really fine balance because a lot of the agencies we're talking about are two people in a spare room. And so in terms of deferring payment, we're not talking about you know, big multi <laughs> conglomerates here and, you know, ability to loan money out. Um, mm. But I do think, you know, just harking back to the earlier conversation about expectations of how big the project should be at certain stages. I think the reason that a lot of agencies put forward what feels like a protracted project when the age when the brand just wants a logo or you know they think it's just I just want a logo I just want of some course. packaging exactly. um you're like yeah but <laughs> it's never just that I think one of the reasons they do protract the 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 brief out of it is they want to be considered brand guardians they want the brand to understand Absolutely. that it's a long-term relationship and that when they take on a client they never just want to see the back of it they never just want the artwork out to the printers they want to be part of that success story. So again, I think it's about being really transparent about what both are looking for, because I think, I really think that early conversation should be an interview process from both sides in terms of what's going to be a good chemistry fit, because the reality is it's, it's not just about the transactional aspect of what each is getting out of it. I think agency and brand have the ability to be so much more than the sum of their parts when they fit well. Um, and certainly, um, you know, look at some of the, the biggest branding successes. And I know we're talking about unicorns here, but, you know, Nike paying $30 for the, the swoosh, <laughs> you know, things like that. It's like you don't it's so easy at the start to commoditize these things and not understand what value it brings in the future. But um, the right partner and, brings so much more to the table. I, and I absolutely, yeah, I 100 percent agree with you. But, you know, at the end of the day, there are going to be people out there who just say, "Look, I, I want a logo," and I guess it's it's just don't take a don't take offense to no, that. You know, just not direct everyone. them direct yeah. them to Fiverr, like you say, or yeah. just whatever feels like the most appropriate place. Yeah. Some people just aren't going to get it until the stage where they need to get it because they've been told mm. so by a buyer or somebody. Absolutely, abs completely agree. And then, kind of on the you know on the other end of the scale, I do think that there are some producers who are hoodwink in to doing a bit too not hoodwink but kind of persuaded into doing a bit too much that too much, they need yeah. a, that, a, that a that time yeah. so um it's about being open transparent and um understanding that everyone's different yeah yeah and you know and i think that's where that's why you saw a gap in the market for bread and jam because there was no formalized process where you could get some feedback from your peers about what really is required i think that's incredible because so many of the conversations that my clients when I join new business calls that they have um so my agency clients just to be clear that their 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 prospective client they're speaking to the brand has no idea what budget they should be paying they has no idea what even should be part of the right. execution they just know they need a logo and they need something that sits on the shelf they don't know they don't know like aren't even familiar with the word skew or you know any of these mm. other kind of phrases that are really fundamental and they're really looking to the agency for that and I think that is the the wonder of bread and jam is like helping them giving them this community giving them these resources where they understand 
enough to be able to brief an agency confidently and say, no, that is what I need. I don't need all that other stuff unless you really give me a valid reason for why I need that to get into Ocado or mm-hmm. <laughs> or to speciality fine food fair or, you know, yeah. whatever yeah. it is. Um, I think, you know, that education process that you're offering is so valuable to the agency as well. So they don't waste time um, on the mm-hmm. conversation with the brand. So thanks for that. <laughs> Pleasure. <laughs> um, so just on, on that note, who should get in contact with you and when? Who should? Um, well, because um, there will be brands I mean, listening in here as well, um, just because oh, okay. of the nature of my cool. community, but the majority are agencies. So uh, in terms of brands, you know, you get, get in contact with us at any time. Uh, we do lots of events throughout the year. Um, we're running a couple of workshops uh, every week um, and then, you know, a couple of summits and our big event in October. Um, hopefully we'll go back to some real life events soon. Um, come on to the food hub um, for the for the agencies and the solo uh, branding people um, get in contact with us, too. We, we have kind of uh, opportunities to kind of exhibit and, and, and stuff. I'm also always looking for um workshops to 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 run uh for our community um we're always looking for content that is is um is very practical and and tangible um so the the theoretical workshops don't go down very well but um uh practical guides to kind of solving an issue uh that that businesses might have whether i don't know tone of voice uh writing an email that people are going to answer um how to uh well they're, they're the only two that that came into my mind <laughs> how, but how uh, to brief an agency what should be on that that brief for example yeah, might be a good one yeah i mean that that is that is a good one um and um so we're, so we're always looking for them um it's a good way of kind of accessing our community um get on the the, the directory hopefully that's going to be a, a a useful resource um and um yeah, we're a very friendly, approachable bunch of people. Brilliant. Well, that's wonderful. Oh, just final question. Um, yes. What is your favourite business book? And it doesn't actually have to be a book. It could be any kind of resource. What What is the one that you feel like you've turned to most over your years in business, both olive oil yeah. and bread and jam? Yeah, I think um, the, the, the book, the business book that kind of uh, most profoundly affected me was the, the one by the, the guy who founded Patagonia, Let My People Go Surfing. I don't oh, know if you, have you read that? People have mentioned that actually. No, I haven't yet. It's on my reading list because it's been mentioned a couple of times now. But um, no, I, it's, it's definitely on that list. So he was a kind of a, a reluctant businessman um, and... Um, it is just a, a pioneer of a kind of mission driven businesses and yeah. um and it's all about sustainability and it's it, it it proves that you can do business for good you know i think um it's it's a topic that's very close to my heart and i kind of often um often get confused whether capitalism can really solve the 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 shit that we're in at the moment um and I'm not always convinced it can, but um, Patagonia is, is an example of a business that can actually genuinely um, uh, have a positive impact both on the planet and, 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 and making money. Sounds like the dose of optimism that everybody needs right now. 
<laughs> I'm gonna, I I'm gonna so. get it ordered. <laughs> um, well, Jason, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it, and I really appreciate your honesty and openness about what you've seen in terms of um, brand and uh, agency relationships. It's really helpful because sometimes it's very hard from an agency perspective to have a completely transparent conversation with their client. Um, so all this bridge building definitely helps. Brilliant. Well, wh whatever I can do, I'm very happy to help. Thank you. Just before we wrap up, I want to touch on a crucial opportunity for your agency's growth. As a creative agency, your primary focus should be on delivering exceptional work, not getting bogged down in sales and marketing. And that's where Leadflow Sprint comes in. It's an eight-week program designed to streamline your lead generation process, bringing in a steady flow of potential clients to you. No more struggling with the ups and downs of trying to gain the attention of new business. Our program includes hands-on support, including direct input on your copywriting, ensuring a bespoke approach to your lead generation needs. No more feeling stuck in the feast or famine cycle. Our real-time support, including direct feedback on tasks like copywriting, helps you to bid farewell to inconsistently and embrace a lead generation system that's tailored to your unique needs. Visit caffeine.club slash LFS. That's K-A-F-F-E-N dot C-L-U-B forward slash L for Lima, F for Foxtrot, S for Sierra.